Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. Now your host, Timothy George. Welcome to today's Beeson Podcast. I have the privilege of interviewing today Dr. David Parks. He is the new director of the Beeson Divinity School Global Center and also a graduate of both Sanford University and Beeson Divinity School. So welcome, David, back home and back to uh, Beeson. Oh, well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on the podcast and even more so for um, having me at Beeson as director of the Global Center. This is an incredible honor for me to be here. Well, we're just so excited about this opportunity that is really for our school to kind of have a new beginning in the work of the Global Center. You know, this is the 25th anniversary of Beeson Divinity School, and Mr. Beeson gave us those three famous guiding principles we've tried to stay faithful to, that we be an evangelical school, that we be interdenominational, and that we have a vision for the whole world Christian movement. And that third objective takes institutional expression, as we say, through the Global Center primarily. And so this is really vital. This is a part of the DNA of Beeson Divinity School. Now, I want you to say a little bit just about your own uh, background, your family, uh, how you became a Christian. Uh, who is David Parks? Yeah, sure, sure. I, I'm from Birmingham as well. Uh, not only did I go to Sanford and Beeson from Birmingham, I grew up in a Christian family on the northeast side of town. I Grew up in the Huffman area, played baseball at Huffman Ballpark, went to Huffman Middle School, Huffman Baptist Church, mm-hmm. and uh, went to a good church there. I am, I really wasn't saved until I was 19. and I, I was in church, and I was doing the motions, and I was uh, someone who a lot of people would point to as, hey, he's a good Christian guy, uh, but really, I, I had not surrendered my life to Christ. How did that happen? Okay. Well, it, it actually is connected a little bit to missions because uh, growing up during that time on the blue-collar side of Birmingham, I didn't know anybody who just would come out and say, I'm not a Christian, I'm an atheist, I'm a Muslim or someone. It was just so culturally Christian, I, I wasn't challenged to think much. Mm-hmm. And so my first year of college was at Jeff State. And I, I went to... Um, uh-huh. That's a community junior. college here in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. I played tennis there. And in the college tennis world, foreigners are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Internationals uh, dominate in many places. So for the first time in my life, I was exposed to people who, by all accounts... He seemed to be good people to me, uh, very hardworking, um, fun people to be around, and yet they would just simply say, no, this Christianity stuff is, is really weird. I, I, I don't get it. I don't believe it. And I hadn't been around that before. And it made me challenge what I said I believed. All of a sudden, I began to, to realize, okay, so I believe there is a man who said he was God and that I need to follow him with my entire life. Uh, I began to look back through the gospel, and it became really clear to me that this is not something you do halfway. Mm. And and it became very clear to me that that's exactly what I was doing. And I examined my life, and in the end, I could not even say for sure that, that I was a Christian, that I was saved. And so into my freshman year is when I, I know I surrendered my life to the Lord. Wow, that's great. And from that experience of real, genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, you felt a call to serve Him in a wider arena, I guess. 
Yeah, in the beginning, the only vision I had immediately was youth ministry. Within a year, I felt called to ministry after really growing. I just loved spending time with the young people at our church. I loved the fact that you could pour into them, that you could see change. Uh, and I resonated with the need for it because of my own struggles mm-hmm. uh, with temptation and other things when I was a teenager. And so um, I, I just I fell in love with that. And it wasn't long after beginning serving in that way that I, I began to have a spark of uh, an interest in missions. I came here on campus at Sanford, and I, all of a sudden I was around people every day who had been on mission trips, who had uh, a vision for the world, and it it was an obvious part of their lives. And it became obvious to me that this should be a concern of every Christian. And and I, I just had this idea that I don't know when, I don't know where, but I think one day in the future I might be called to missions. The most practical thing it meant to me was this. How am I going to find a wife that's open to both youth ministry and missions? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so there's a narrow window I had set that God had to meet for me, and, and he did in a huge way. Tell us about your wife and your family now. Okay, my, my wife is uh, Jen Parks. She is from West Virginia, kind of all over. She lived lots of places growing up. She went to Wheaton College, yeah. and she came down here to Birmingham for a master's in physical therapy. And it was through a local church that uh, a local church singles function had lots of friends. It was Oak Mountain Presbyterian. Yes. I, I was serving across town, and I didn't have a whole lot of people my age to hang out with over there. And so I'd go to Oak Mountain to, to be with my friends and, to be honest, meet girls. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for your honesty. Right. <laughs> that's often the way it is, isn't it? Right. And God uses right. all this in our lives in a in a way that's really marvelous when we think back on it. Now, from that experience of a new Christian called to ministry here in Birmingham, uh, somehow the Lord opened doors for you to go all the way around the world, to the other side of the world, to Southeast Asia, where you were involved in really consequential, significant work and ministry and witness. And uh, say what, what you will about that, because that's a really important part of who you are, I think. You mean the the calling there or what I did there? Yeah, um, both and. Okay. Well, my experience in, in youth and student ministry really w- was something that when I felt called to missions, I thought I was leaving that behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I began to study about the world and to begin to think through, is that even relevant in other parts of the world? And as I was doing a PhD in missions, I, I made it a high priority to study this, and, and I concluded absolutely it is a huge need because globally, what we see now, uh, you see cultures who just a generation or two ago, the parents and other adults could help the young people enter into adulthood under this idea that they had been there and done that. Mm. Um, I, my life was the same as yours. Here's how you adjust. And today that doesn't really exist in most of our cities that are so affected by globalism. You have young people growing up on on Facebook. They're struggling with porn addiction. There's all these issues where they're kind of a mix of their parents' culture and this global youth culture, whatever you want to call it. And you're saying this is a a worldwide problem. It's It's not just an American or Western issue. Absolutely. There's not a continent that's not affected by this. The church globally is trying to wrestle with this and figure out how do we reach and disciple our own young people, much less these other 
people who are, are near us who are students. So the, the idea of, of teaching adults to think cross-culturally to reach young people and to disciple young people uh, began to be clear to me that th this is something that needs to happen. And so what I, I did in Southeast Asia, really two things. I, I did local work. We started a local student ministry. Um, but I also trained through a Baptist seminary people who were working in local churches with students. Mm -hmm. So your ministry was hands-on, it was person-to-person, -person, and it had an impact of trying to both disciple and build up new Christians in that region of the world. Yes, yeah, so our best stories are from our practical hands-on ministry. Uh, I think the, the biggest long-term impact are those leaders that were trained but I wouldn't trade anything for being able to, to tell you about some of uh, the students we met, students from Africa, from the Middle East. We had students from China. They're all right there in Southeast Asia for education. Um, where we were, there's a lot of English spoken. Um, they were studying in English. And so the, the opportunities were just incredible. When we got there, I just assumed that because we're kind of using an open strategy that it would be the just the non-Muslims who would be interested. And these Middle Eastern Muslims kept finding us, asking, mm -hmm. asking us for English lessons. And then sometimes they just come right out and ask you about Jesus. And wow. uh, we had you know, several of them come to Christ. Um, we had you know, one student in particular who we'd been sharing with him for a couple of years, but it wasn't until he had a dream that he began to really be convicted and knew of his great need for Christ, for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. we, we'd see these students, the Muslims in particular, their situation was this. They were entering a country where they had freedom now to choose, mm -hmm. and they were choosing all these temptations. Mm -hmm. And so they're, they're sinning, they're doing things, uh, they're, they're getting drunk, they're having sex outside of marriage, and the odd thing is this, is was the progression of the sin. The last thing to go was always pork. I never really <laughs> understood that. I would, I would have thought you'd start with that and work your way up. But um, that, that was kind of their situation. So now they're in this situation. They believe God, sin, judgment, heaven, hell, and all of these things. Um, but they don't believe that you can know you're forgiven. Mm. And so they're under this incredible burden that I, I'll never know for sure my entire life if I can be forgiven, all I can do is work, 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 and they have no power to change either. Mm. It was just a very desperate situation where the gospel became so clear, so real yeah. to us. So you see the, the real dynamism of grace in a situation like that, that it's freeing, it's liberating, and redirecting. Absolutely. So th this phrase that we often use here um, where because we're using it in church, it's it's clear, but yet it doesn't always stand out so stark against um, the legalism. The, the phrase I'm talking about would be, you're living for Christ because you're forgiven, not to be forgiven. Mm. And to to be under you know God's reign because you're forgiven and, and not so that you can try to earn it. The difference there is astounding. Mm -hmm. And when you see a Muslim come to Christ, it becomes uh, even even more clear than here in our own Southern culture. I want to talk a little bit, David, about the Global Center, and you're the new director, and uh, what's gone on in the Global Center? What is the Global Center, and uh, kind of how do you see the vision of it going forward? 
Uh, thank you. Good question. I'm, I'm very excited to be here. I, I feel like this is something that I, I love. Um, I have so many different avenues to be able to impact people for missions. The mission statement of the Global Center is to help people know their world, serve God in their world, and to help the world know God through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And we have several different avenues that, that we can do that. A lot of the things I'm doing are a con- just a continuation of what was already going on. Um, if I can express my vision for the Beeson community, I want to see students who are equipped, uh, those who are called, I want to see them equipped in every way possible, in the most practical ways possible. And those students who are coming here exploring a call, I want to equip them and help them walk through it. And by the time they finish, if they don't go, I don't want it to be simply because they uh, had this fuzzy idea about how they would get to the field mm. and where they, they didn't really know the links from one place to the other, where they hadn't had the experience of uh, actually sharing with someone in another culture. So so that would be something that, that I'm passionate about. Some of the avenues that are the same, of course, are the classes. I am working on the introduction class right now, and, and I want those who would be future missionaries to have a certain core um, values, principles, understanding missiologically, how to think biblically through these issues. And then also um, the pastors, people who are going to be local pastors. What's your job? Because I've been really impressed coming back to Birmingham, having been away for so long, and seeing certain churches that are doing an amazing amount of work. Um, they're really impacting the kingdom. They have a an, an enormous kingdom vision that includes the whole world, and it starts with a pastor. Yeah, it really does. So I, I'm excited to be able to um, to impact them through through that way. Um, we have uh, programs, you know, Go Global and uh, World Christianity Focus Week are two major events every year. Now, on the Go Global, uh, Beeson is located on the campus of Sanford University, and that's a lot, you know, we have seven professional schools, but that's largely an undergraduate school, about 2,700 uh, undergraduate students. And Go Global is a kind of joint mission education and inspiration uh, recruitment endeavor uh, sponsored by the Beeson Global Center, but also working very closely with the undergraduate student ministry here, right? Yes, yes. And this is another one of those things where God's just brought my past back because the um, woman who is directing the global missions for university ministries is Renee Pitts. This is an old-time friend of mine. Her and brother, also an alum, along with her husband, right. uh, of Beeson Divinity School. Absolutely. Renee and Brian. So yeah, Go Global. The idea there is we, we want to have an event that mobilizes students, encourages them towards missions. We want uh, missions agencies on campus that can help them to see that missions isn't just one thing. It's not just church planting, although that's incredibly important. Um, It's not just going and helping the poor, which is also very important. There's many different ways they can use their gifts and many agencies that are designed to use their particular gifts. So so they get to come and, and interact with these agencies through the booths and uh, we, we've had students really ha- have their eyes open through this. Mm. So th- so that's Go Global. We'll have, a, a, like I said, a speaker who will challenge them towards missions. Uh, and another practical 
uh, things. Now, World Christianity Focus Week is a little bit more designed for the intellectual. Mm-hmm. We want people to think about what's going on in the world, to think about missions, uh, to think strategically. Uh, it's great to be passionate about missions, but we also need to to be wise and think biblically and understand what's really going on. In the and we world. bring in really world class uh, missiologists and thinkers. I'm thinking in recent years we've had people like Laman Sani from Yale and Philip Jenkins and really, I got to meet Philip Jenkins yeah. once he was here. That that was very uh, much a necessary and helpful event there. So uh, the Global Center, as I think about it, David, it's kind of a catalytic unit in a way, uh, branching out and reaching and causing all kinds of evangelical combustion to take place. Uh, certainly here at Beeson, that's kind of the the primary focus in a way, but also on the wider campus of Sanford University and in the churches, the many churches you refer to that are already engaged in mission. How can we come alongside them, help them, support them, and then reaching out to the uttermost parts of the world, as the Bible says? Good question. And, and this is one of the things that I see as different about my position. For those who are listening, uh, my predecessor, Kurt, did a lot of great things. He was also faculty, had uh, more responsibilities in terms of research and writing. I'm staff, and my very intentional focus needs to be more connecting with the community, connecting with the wider campus of Sanford University. I've been meeting with deans recently, other leaders across campus, and I've been really encouraged to find out what's going on. Uh, the nursing school, for example, yeah. they do an amazing amount Tremendous. of things yeah. for missions. Uh, you just go to their website, and you, you see this great missions video um, that really talks clearly about we are using this gift God's given us through helping people in a practical way to share the gospel. Yeah, um, The pharmacy school does a, a lot of things for missions. Uh, there, there's a lot of bright spots, and I, I want to, to find way, practical, tangible ways to, that we can connect and work together, not just for the sake of working together, but to, to be a very helpful resource for them. We want the Global Center to be a more of a, a campus a global center, mm. uh, but also for the community, um, for the the campus when it comes to practical ways to help them. I, I was having um, a conversation the other day with uh, Joe Hopkins, the dean of the School, School of, Arts. of the Arts, yep. and he was really passionate and intentional about the need for somewhere on campus to help students work through how do I take my gifts and use it for missions? Mm. Of course, we've talked about this already. Go Global does work on that. But but how can we be a, a resource to walk students through this? And so we want to make ourselves available for that. We want students to be able to come and, and know who we are and that we are there, we, that we do have some resources available for them. Um, we, we want to try to connect the dots for the mm. people across campus who are doing um, work in other parts of the world. Mm. Uh, we want them to to know what's going on. We're, we've got we'll be working on a, a website pretty soon. I'll have a geography intern helping me mm. to develop a site where you'll be able to look at a map and or you know a, a website and and see a map that will have dots on it, and those dots will represent where someone from Sanford or Beeson has gone on a mission trip or, or some other international trip, what connections are there already so that we can build on those instead of um, working on top of each other. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so, so basically encouraging people to see what's going on and then how can we work together. Now, one of the unique features, I think, of the Beeson uh, 
curriculum is what we call the cross-cultural ministry practicum. And that's a sort of channel through the Global Center. Say a little bit about that, how our Beeson students are involved in it, and the fact that each week in chapel, you know, we pray for our students that are serving Jesus Christ all around the world on every continent. They're very much a part of our wider Beeson family. Some of them are probably listening to this podcast right now. But what is that cross-cultural ministry practicum, and why is it so important? Well, first of all, I just want to echo what you said about the school at large just really being intentional about praying for these alumni and for other missions efforts. This goes on whether I do it or not. And that's important for people to know that this is not just me pushing. Mm. This is a part of the school. It's what the Holy Spirit is doing in our students, isn't it? I I think so. I think so. The cross-cultural ministry practicum is just a great way to help people get some practical experience and knowledge about what's going on in the world, how to interact with other cultures. And this is something that I didn't have when I was here at Beeson, by the way. It's a new a part of our program, relatively new, yeah. I think it's great. So students will come to me, and they have to figure out what they're going to do. They have to be gone away from Birmingham for at least two weeks. We need to figure out a way that they can be immersed in another culture where they can learn from a, an on-site mentor so that they're not just experiencing something, but there's someone there who can help them understand what's going on. It, uh, we're finding out more and more students come here with some type of experience of going on a mission trip. Mm. And that's great, but we want to make sure that they understand what's really going on. So the on, on-site mentor is key. Uh, we want them to learn if they're going overseas in particular, from the national church. National church leaders have a lot to teach Americans. Now, sometimes we think the only reason we can go is for them to learn all the things we know. And as much as I, I think theological education overseas is extremely important, and I encourage our students here to consider that, uh, we have a lot to learn from them. So the CCMP is, um, I think, a lot about learning, but then it's also about serving where they can And that in itself is a learning experience. So even if you're going to be a a pastor down the road from Beeson for the rest of your life, you can't come to Beeson and say, this means that I don't have to deal with other cultures the rest of my life Mm -hmm. because the world's come to us. And we want them to know how to have a vision for it um, and how to actually do something. I've had students come to me after the CCMP and, and basically agree, yes, if I had simply gone on to be a pastor uh, in a, a small town or somewhere in Birmingham without this, I probably would have overlooked those Hispanics down the road, the um, the mosque down the road. Uh, but now they have a vision and a, some kind of tangible idea of, of what they would want to do as a pastor for that. Excellent. Now, we've used a word a number of times on this podcast uh, and I want to ask you, we just have a few minutes left, if you could uh, define it, uh, talk about it. The word is missions. <laughs> what is missions? And why is it so integral to the whole Christian enterprise? And how is it related, if you can say quickly, to theology? I mean, for a long time, there was this this saying, starting back in the 1920s, that um, theology divides, missions unites. And it always seemed to me there was something wrong about that statement because it seems to me missions is is theology at work in the world for Jesus Christ. But say a little bit about missions. What is it? 
Absolutely. Uh, one of the, the phrases that has resonated with me is missions as the mother of theology. Um, there, there are directions you can take that that I don't know are completely biblical, but the idea is that Paul was working out his theology while he's on missions. You don't separate those two. He's going and planting churches in other places, and the reason that he's writing these great letters, are because he loves this church, he's trying to help these churches be established um, you see his heart both for evangelism and planting new churches, but then he goes back to the same places so that he can shore up those churches, help them deal with false teachers, uh, help them to become mature disciples. And so I see missions as a cross-cultural going out. There's a fuzzy line there, I, I confess. Um, often people distinguish between mission and missions. Uh, you had the whole Missio Dei movement that uh, was originally intended to help people see that all of life should be lived in missions, that we should be missionaries in our whole lives. That also makes the things that go on overseas, the unreached people groups, people who've never heard of Christ, more important. But what that can kind of devolve into is if everything is missions, nothing is missions. Mm. And so the Missio Dei kind of went wrong in that once you start calling everybody a missionary, then people begin to de-emphasize those who have never heard or those places in the world where there's incredible physical needs that you know, we don't experience on the same level here. And so you know, the word missions can, comes from the apostuo, and there's a, it, it means you sent out one, mm. someone going out. There's a sense of going out. Can it be in America? Sure. My opinion would be it would be something going cross-cultural, going into a place where there's not particular um, work going on. I, I don't see, personally, missions as going across the street and sharing the gospel. I see that as evangelism. I don't argue with people when they say, I'm a missionary in my neighborhood. Great, you're sharing the gospel. Um, but it is an important distinction because I think if you lose that cross-cultural, the going out dimension, then you, you lose the fact that there's still thousands of unreached people groups in the world. There's still places in the world that they have little or no knowledge of the gospel, incredible physical needs, and we need to place those as a high priority. You know, I think we're called to missions, all of us are, uh, because we serve a missionary God yes. who has sent his son into our world, who lived and died on the cross for our sins and rose again. And that's the good news that we have to share with everybody everywhere. Well, David, it's been a great experience just uh, talking with you today. We could go on and on, but we're just about out of time on this episode of the Beeson Podcast. But I'm so grateful to the Lord that he's led you back to Beeson Divinity School. And I pray that God will use you in manifold ways to encourage so many others to respond to this great commission that God has given us. Thank you, and thank you again so much for, for having me here. It is a privilege. God bless you. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast with host Timothy George. You can subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at our website, BeesonDivinity.com. Beeson Divinity School is an interdenominational evangelical divinity school training men and women in the service of Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast will aid and encourage your work, and we hope you will listen to each upcoming edition of the Beeson Podcast.